Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number Smart Beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition Smart Bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. The following on podcast is proudly sponsored by Barbados Tourism. Before we kick off the show, I just wanted to take a moment to remind you that the ICC Men's Cricket T20 World Cup Final is taking place in Barbados this summer. This, by default, gives all of my fellow cricket fanatics the perfect excuse to go and book a holiday to Barbados in June and experience firsthand the euphoric atmosphere at the Kensington Oval, the cricket mecca of the Caribbean. If the cricket alone isn't enough to tempt you, then let me be the one to remind you that a trip to Barbados can also include leisurely strolls along the breathtaking coastline, mouth-watering flavours of the world-class Bayesian cuisine, and, of course, plenty of rum. Head to visitbarbados.org forward slash cricket today to book the trip of a lifetime to Barbados, the best place to be a cricket fan. Hello and welcome to the following on podcast from Talk Sport. The Test Series now firmly behind us. England's Red Bull specialists have made their way back to the UK and they've been replaced in South Africa by some familiar faces, some still sporting winners' medals and others. Well, they've got letters in front of their names. Cape Town's where the action will take place for the next few days and next week's ODI, the first time the World Cup champions would have taken to the field for a 50-over tournament since Lords in July. Quite a lot's happened since then, that's for sure. Australia, New Zealand and South Africa have been drawn with, lost to and beaten in the longer format. Ben Stokes has continued his winning ways, but unfortunately the other real star of 2019, Jofra Archer, will have to wait a little bit longer to get back to winning ways. He will now miss the T20 series that follows this with that injury that saw him out of the last three test matches of the recent series with South Africa. Plenty to get excited about, though, especially when you consider the depth England possess. And one-man tip to give Johnny Bairstow and Jason Roy a bit of a challenge at the top of the order is Tom Bass and he's been speaking to Andrew McKenna. You were involved in the T20s in New Zealand, of course, into this 50-over side. Of course, the first match that England will have played since that World yeah. Cup final. I mean, how does that feel, coming into to a side top of the world? Yeah, it's pretty special, actually. Um, I like, quite like to enjoy watching it back on YouTube. Um, obviously, the whole thing where Stokes dived in and the ball went off. Um, but, yeah, no, it's pretty special, obviously, to be here. Um, playing for your country is obviously something everyone wants to do from a young age, but yeah, I just hope to take more opportunity when it comes. When you were watching that back in the summer when it was happening, did you think, I'm going to be in the next England squad that takes to the field? No, not at all. I just seem to take it day by day. Um, 
and then yeah, lucky enough to get a phone call, which was always nice. Um, it's kind of been a weird year for me, to be honest. This time last year, I was struggling in grey cricket. Um, I don't know cricket for me. I wasn't enjoying it that much. Um, it was tough, and then came back. I wasn't really sure I stood at Somerset either. And then yeah, the first white ball game kind of started off well, and I haven't looked back since then. So what happened? You just happened to get a few out in the middle, and it just clicked. Oh. I honestly, I wouldn't know. I've worked quite closely with Trez um, on a few things, and he's kind of been my mentor for me throughout this whole year. Um, I still text him when I'm away and stuff. Just simple things, really. Um, I've kind of found a new trigger, and from then I haven't looked back. So, well, we mentioned New Zealand, but of course, before that, you were in Australia with the Big Bash, and to be honest. Social media feeds were essentially just a Tom Banton highlight reel for a while. I mean, it's fair to say it went well. Yeah, no, I loved it. Um, I love the country as well. It's a great place. Um, journey's a bit of a problem for me. Um, but yeah, no, actually, it was so good. Um, and hopefully going back next year. So, What was it about the Big Bash? I mean, lots of people talk about going and playing, but maybe what was the difference, say, with the Blast at home? Um... The grounds were bigger. Um, I felt like I'd swing a bit harder than normal. But no, I think just overall the way they run it's quite good. Um, just the small things like commentary. Um, you see people like Shane Warne commentating, Michael Vaughan, Adam Gilchrist, Ricky Ponting. So it's quite cool to pick those, uh, pick the brains of those guys. Um, but yeah, just as a whole, I really enjoyed it. And I guess talking to the guys in the dressing room, new names, new faces, I mean, you're going out to the IPL, and that's always been Kevin Peterson's big argument about players going there. He said, you go and you talk to these guys in the dressing room, you net with them, yeah. you learn so much. Is that true? Yeah, definitely. Um, I'm going over with Morgs and then McCullum's our head coach there as well, and then people like Russell, Pat Cummins. Um, not looking forward to those net sessions. Lockie Ferguson, Harry Gurney, just some of those names. So, yeah, I'm really looking forward to getting over there and just... I don't know, just small things, talking to them about how they approach the game. Um, so, yeah. So we've got two warm-up games here in Pal before the first ODI at Newlands itself. What are you hoping to get out of what could be five games of cricket for England in 50 overs? Just get back into 50 over routine. I felt, I felt like I haven't played much of it recently. Um, obviously being I playing a lot of T20 cricket, um, there's a few things I've been working on, a few things I need to get a lot better probably. By tomorrow I'm going to go back in and work on a few things with Ruti. Um, but yeah, I feel like T20 cricket's kind of... I've not gone away from the basics, but obviously training in the nets, it's not going to be um, like a red ball net. Um, so yeah, I just want to nail the basics really. Has there been much of a discussion in, in the uh, team room? You know, Maybe Owen Morgan said, right, OK, look, we've drawn the line after the World Cup. Now we're starting the cycle to the next. Is it a case of park that, that's gone, now we, now we start again? This is, if you like, day one of, of the next cycle. Morgs is actually really chilled. Um, he hasn't really spoke too much, to be honest. Um, obviously, first training session as a group. We've had a few before, but obviously the guys are resting from the test series. Um, but yeah, Morgs has actually been really good. He's always backing all of his players, but I think definitely we've got to start as if it's day one. That's never happened, but obviously something you're always going to think of. So. You mentioned the difference between T20 and 50, but the way this England side play, I mean, Owen said yeah. he would quite happily take 360 all out from 40 overs. Yeah. So actually, it's, it's more of the same, isn't yeah. it? I guess so. Um, depends where you bat, I think. Um, but I think the the brand these boys want to play, they want to keep going. Um, obviously, within reason, I think just always being positive, um, always looking for that positive option. So, 
And talking about the batting order, I mean, in sides like this, guys who maybe normally bat at, say, three or four for their counties might find themselves at five or six for England yeah. because of the strength and depth. Have they given you any indication as to where you fit in at the moment? Um, no, not at the moment. Um, obviously, the white ball team's pretty set at the moment. So, But, yeah, I think you just got to... When your chance does come, you've got to kind of take it. Um, obviously, it seems so strong. But no, it's obviously really good to be and be around the guys. What a talent he is and will become. Um, it will be about the World 220 for him, though, I'm sure. One size fits all seemed like a good idea for clothes. Nice dress. Uh, it's a it's a T-shirt. Until you tried it on. Same goes for your health care. That's why United Healthcare offers a variety of flexible, budget-friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. So whether you're between jobs, coming off a parent's plan, or even missed open enrollment, you can find the plan that fits you best. Find out more about United Healthcare coverage at uh1.com. That's uh1.com. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. The following on podcast is proudly sponsored by Barbados Tourism. If your passion for travel is on par with your passion for cricket, then I have some excellent news. The ICC Men's Cricket T20 World Cup Final is being hosted in Barbados this June, which makes it the perfect destination for your summer holidays this year. To make the most of your trip, you can also experience eight matches from the series in Barbados, including... England against Scotland and England against Australia. In under a month's time, you could be spending your days exploring the vibrant streets of Bridgetown, drinking rum in the sunshine and experiencing exotic Bayesian delicacies in the culinary capital of the Caribbean. There truly is something for everyone. There's no need to wait a second longer. Head to visitbarbados.org forward slash cricket today to book the trip of a lifetime to Barbados, truly the best place to be a cricket fan. We will have a full preview to the ODI series in a few days' time and reaction to how England have fed in their warm-up matches over the next couple of days, live on location from Paul, about 45 minutes' drive outside of Cape Town. But for now, well, it's a chance to listen back to an interview that took place during a lunch break in the third test in Port Elizabeth when Mark Nicholas was joined by the former England batsman Alan Lamb. Marshall and Lamb. It's a good firm blow. Straight past the bowler, Lamb's not offering even to run. He knows it's four from the moment it left the bat. And he's middle lap for the first time for some uh, little while now. Glorious square cut there from Alan Lamb for four runs. That's a really good shot from Alan Lamb to take him into the 80s. That's a great shot. Four runs. Long, wide half volley. Put away in uh, great style there by Alan Lamb. He's a lucky man that has had Richie Benno and Jim Laker call his performances, and he's sitting alongside me. Alan Lamb, AJ, good day. Good day, Mark. Remember that uh, voice of Jim Laker? Oh, fantastic. And Richie, the legend. I tell you, those guys were fantastic. I bet you can't pick that innings, though. 
No, I couldn't pick that innings. It was nice to see I was hitting a few fours then. Well, it'll be the West Indies, won't it? <laughs> Caning them about the park. You love playing fast bowling, didn't you? You know, it wasn't I love. It was just the challenge. And, and, and the, the big thing, I, I had the confidence of, of believing that I could score runs against them. And, and I had my own sort of technique to play them. And uh, there was something that playing against them is I just felt you had to rotate the strike because if they had bowled five or six deliveries out at you, you they're going to get you out. So if I was batting with someone, I'd say, listen, we've got to pick up the singles or hit the bad ball for four. You, you, you had a grounding here. Um, for those that aren't aware, Alan left South Africa in 1978 to take full-time residence in England. Um, and four years later, there was a qualification period of four years in those days, 1982, he became available to play for England and was immediately picked against Pakistan, the great Imran Khan amongst that attack. Um, and the grounding you'd had in the very strong Curry Cup competition in the 70s as you grew up with a lot of good quicks around must surely have set you right. Yeah, I mean, um, in those days, it, it was like a test match because, you know, being banned from international sports... Um, the Curry Cup was amazing. And, you know, there were such great players uh, playing in there, as you, you know, saying Van der Baal, Proctors, uh, Rices. LaRue. LaRue's. You played with Garth, didn't yeah, you? Yeah, played with, with Garth. And, and, you know, there were no prisoners taken there. You know, if you couldn't handle the, the, the fire out there, then you, no one will come and help you. You had to get on and get it to do it yourself. I see Josh Butler was um, fined at few bob and a demerit point the other day for a, an unpleasant word to Vernon Philander. Is it fair to say that would have been um, gentle fare compared to the Curry Cup in the 70s? <laughs> that was just par, I think. <laughs> My goodness, if you couldn't take a, a roasting from anyone, then, you know, that was it. But, you know, there were certain people that you would roast because um, they got affected. You, you wouldn't say anything to Javid, me and dad, or Alan Border or these guys, or Viv Richards, because you know, it'll make them even worse. They weren't going to get out at all. And, and co coming to England must have been a, a brave move. T tell me firstly how the family connection worked. Was it your mother or father's side? Um, both. One was born in Wimbledon, one was born in Wembley. Ah, yeah. What age did they leave to go to live in South um, Africa? They sort of went, uh, dad was about 15, um, and his dad immigrated. He was an Irish, Irishman, and um, he went over to Benoni, Whitbank, and he was a builder. And dad finished his schooling here and then joined the Air Force and fought in the Second World War, Spitfire Fighter. Mm. And mom's came from, uh, her dad was in the RF and he got transferred here to South Africa. You weren't the first South African to come and play for England. Tony Gregg had, had uh, lit the pathway and his father, Sandy, was a pilot um, in the Second World War as well. Yep, that was it. And, uh, you know, it, it was, Mark, it, it, it was sort of, I just looked at those heroes and Richards and Proctors and all these guys that were coming over on the Union liner to play cricket. And I remember I always used to watch them when I was a teenager and having a look. I said, I'd like to do that one day. And then we had, um, we had all the English coaches come out and, um, you know, Alan Oakman and uh, David Steele and all these guys. And, uh, you know, you speak to David Steele, he said, well, no room. You wouldn't be able to come as an overseas player. There's no room for anyone like that. And then in 77, we, we got that opportunity with Eddie Barlow, who was playing at, uh, at Derbyshire, and he uh, invited Peter Kirsten, myself, and Garth LaRue over. And that sort of set the trend. And, and how did it work that you ended at Northampton then? 
because Peter Kirsten turned down Northampton and went to Derbyshire. And I then got offered a year later, at the end of 77, I got offered the contract um, now, to come and play for... Now, no disrespect at all to Northamptonshire County Cricket Club, of which you have been a very important part for many years. But when you arrived, you must have thought Wantage Road was not Newlands, where you'd grown up playing for Western <laughs> Province. <laughs> Definitely not. Oh, my goodness. When I looked at that ground, I thought, wow. But, um, you know, when I arrived, I think the, the secondary said, you know, we've only just picked you because of your one-day cricket. And uh, that's how he sort of said to me. In those days, you know, we went into his office. He would just have like a box. You'd sit on a box and no chairs. He'd be smoking 50 a day. And uh, that's how it was. And, uh, you know... It was quite difficult because um, we were replacing Bishan Beatty and Mushtaq Muhammad, who they did not renew the contracts or their contracts they expired from the packer. So there was Safraz Nawaz there and myself. So I was filling some big boots in taking over basically Mushtaq's position. And did you immediately enjoy the lifestyle of playing county cricket? Yeah, I mean, listen, I got into it very quickly and... Uh, um, I had a total different attitude to majority playing because you remember we used to have like the 100 over game and, and then you used to get sort of bonus points and that type of stuff. And, uh, you know, I remember the players saying, hey, hey, slow down, you know, we've got the bonus points, you know, don't get out because, you know, the committee are going to look at your, uh, your averages your at average. the end of the season. And hire and fire you on the basis of whether you hit one up in the air now or not. Correct. And that, and that was amazing. And I said, listen, the more runs we get on the board, the more chance we've got to win this game. Yeah, and the more runs we get them and the quicker we get them. Three-day cricket then, of course. And then it turned to four-day cricket later. But three-day cricket was different. And, and you I, played three-day cricket here, didn't you? Yeah, and uncovered wickets. You played on uncovered pitches? Yep. In, in England? Yep, 78. No were uncovered wickets. Were they? Really? Was it 78? I thought... Yeah. It was, it no, okay. 78 we played and uh, uh, we played against Underwood. I was going to say, yes, <laughs> we did too. <laughs> we, we that were, was interesting. We were <laughs> 28 for nine on a wet one against Underwood. You couldn't... You simply couldn't hit the ball, could you? No, he, it was incredible. But you know what? I think the, the playing on those wet... on the uncovered wickets helped me play spin because we didn't play a lot of spin in South Africa and 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 playing on those wet wickets it made you got had to let the ball come to you you couldn't go after the ball and and I think that did help those uncovered wickets. Barry Richards was in chatting with us at lunchtime two days ago and said something interesting about the standard he played Sheffield Shield cricket in Australia uh, obviously curry crop cricket here in South Africa and then county cricket in England and he said no it's not right to say that county cricket was uh, the least good standard you've got to remember that most of the world's best players were playing as overseas players and most of the English test players were playing in their county sides. They'd come straight from a test back into a county game. And certainly in the first half of the summer, when the pitches were tricky and all the England players were fresh, the standard of county cricket was very high. Yeah, totally agree. I mean, you know, you, I think you had 12 West Indians playing in, county, in, in, in the county game and you always had the best and I think you know what if you couldn't learn from those players you would never learn and and I believe county cricket was really strong then especially you know you look at it look who you had Greenwich and Marshall and you know or Barrett, that, Roberts and, yeah Roberts yeah, and three at one stage three, Richards, Greenwich yeah. Roberts yeah and then you look at Somerset with Garner and, and Viv Richards so um, 
you know, it was strong. Um, and, and, you know, you learned a lot. I think I learned a lot from county cricket, you know. Growing up here in South Africa, you know, it, it was hard. Uh, you had to play, as you said, play quick bowling. You had to get used to it. No helmets. And I think the problem is in those, why no many, so many people get hit nowadays is because they don't watch the ball. And if you go back and see how many people were hit um, on the head with no, with no helmets, it's hardly any. Do you think partly too then, because so many modern players come at the ball, hard at the ball, they take on the short ball in a way they would never have done because they've got a helmet on. Is that also a reason? Well, they know they're safe, number one. And, and a lot of them take the hour off the ball. A lot of these people duck into the ball. So, you know, I've always been brought up is, is you have a tennis ball or something and you get someone to throw it at you. And you won't get hit because you're watching the ball. Every time someone takes their eye off the ball, it hits them on the back of the head or on the side of the head. You reminded me, actually, yesterday Mike Proctor was saying he, the reason his unusual bowling action developed was that he ran... He had a brick wall in his backyard and he used to run in quickly holding a bat in his left hand and the ball in his right hand. And he'd bowl from about 10, 15 yards at the wall, whirling his right arm over. And as he let go of the ball, he'd then switch that right hand onto the bottom of the bat with his left hand in control and play it back as it bounced off the wall. So that's how he got the funny action. You also developed your skills as a cricketer in a unusual fashion as I recall yeah we used to have a wall at the back door uh, at the back of a house and and then there was a side wall with the window there and then there was a little gravel sort of piece where we put up the wickets and if I didn't have anyone to play with I'd have to throw it myself and then I throw it against the wall and then I'll play it and then the gravel the ball would bounce it, off it, it would go anyway yeah. yeah and then so that sharpened if, your eye yeah and if we hit it back you could only really score runs by hitting it back at the wall Right. It was only one if it, if you played right. just turned it uh -huh. around the corner. So, so this is what happened. You know, if you didn't have anyone to play with, yeah. that was it. Now you needed a sharp eye. Um, some mornings you woke up too. Um, I'd love you to tell us about Brisbane, going back to 1982-3 when Kerry Packer asked you for a night out. Kerry Packer, the great Australian television mogul, who loved the company of the players, and you and a couple of others, famous names. Ended up in the casino having a few drinks. And I think you were captain of England in the match, weren't you? You're totally right, Mark. And, and what happened was David Gower got out the last ball or the last over of, of the, that game in Brisbane. And Tony Gregg came up. He said, listen, Kerry Packer would like to meet you guys. And wow, I'd never met Kerry Packer. And I said, and David Gower said, great. So we arrived at his suite and there was booze up and everything like that. He talked us through how the Packer series went and why he had coloured colored ball and the clothing and everything. And uh, we had a beer with him. And then he said, listen, what are you doing? I said, well, I'm not out overnight, Kerry, and I'm just going to take it easy. He said, we'll just nip down to the Gold Coast. We've got the drivers and everything. We'll it's go a and good <laughs> hour's drive away, everybody, by the way. And uh, off we went. And um, I had my wife with me, Lindsay, and uh, James Packer was going out with Tanya Breyer then. And she came down, and Kerry came down, and David came down. And uh, we arrived at uh, this French uh, restaurant. I can't think of the name now. Jupiter's, I think it was. And we all sat down to have a meal. And I wasn't really that hungry, so I just said, you know, I'll just have the prawns, thanks. And they bought me three little prawns, butterflies. 
And Kerry somehow just lost his rag and went absolutely mad. But in the meantime... What, uh, the bad fare? The, the, uh, the, 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 my food just... Just not enough. It wasn't enough, enough for enough. me. Yeah, 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 not enough for me. And, uh, and then uh, before that, he had, he had ordered a 61 um, Chateau Lafitte. So... <laughs> <laughs> and and he doesn't drink and and we had a a, a, a polymontrichet a polymontrichet he had ordered so we didn't even get a chance to have it and by that time Kerry had blown his stop and said we're going and he didn't drink so anyway I looked at David and I said listen I've never had Lafitte 61 and we quickly as he was walking off we poured ourselves a glass and quickly had a taste and that was the only 61 I've ever tasted so and then we got rushed off to the casino gave the girls a thousand dollars each and said you know that's it. You're not playing with us. And we sat down and he said, listen, are we all playing? And I said, Kerry, I'm, I don't, I'm not really a gambler. I'll be out here. So he said, well, are we playing it? Um, I'm going to call all the calls. I put the money down. Whatever we win, we split. I said, I'm back in, Kerry. <laughs> and, and I promise you, in, in an hour, we, I was up, each we were up nearly uh, $200,000. Two hundred Aussie thousand dollars in 1982. In 1982, and it came to a, a place where he said, "Right, you guys want to call it off now, uh, because the rugby starts in about two hours, but we can carry on." James Packer, David Gow, and Tony Gregg said, "Yeah, we'll carry on." Uh, Forty-five minutes, we had nothing. I left there at quarter past twelve. I got I got to the hotel about one o'clock. Walked in, and the following morning, the papers had me coming out the casino. Alan Lamb coming out the casino at six o'clock in the morning with a blonde girl. Your wife? My wife. Phew. <laughs> Not me. <laughs> and did you get any runs? You run beaten overnight? No, I, I, I was not out overnight, and uh, Greg Matthews bowled a long hop. Outside off the to backward point. And I was in such good nick because I got runs throughout the, the, that series, you know. And that was it. And then the whole thing blew. What I do want to talk about is the, the influence that you've had on the Curran fam family. And, and you were a great friend of Kevin Curran, who you brought to Northampton from Gloucestershire way back. And, of course, Kevin's uh, father to the three boys, to, to Ben, who's perhaps the least known and has now joined Northampton himself to Tom, who's playing in the Big Bash in Australia, and to Sam, who's here in the Test Match. And uh, Sarah, their mum's a great friend of you and Lindsay. Tell us the story. Um, well, it was Kevin. You know, the, the, he had the two little ones. They were both born in, in Northampton. Um, so I knew them as, as little tots, really. Um, Tom was born in South Africa or Zimbabwe. No, he was born in Cape Town. Sorry, he was born in Cape Town. Yeah. And... I didn't, I wanted them all to come over. Uh, I said to Kevin, I kept saying, we can get bursaries for them, they must come over, they can play for Northampton, whatever. And then um, Tom went to Hilton, I think it was. Which is a South African private school. Private in Natal, school. Yeah, and, two famous ones, Hilton and And Michael then Hans. I think Ian Gregg uh, went to, um, to uh, uh, Kevin to say, listen, we can get him into Surrey. Um, and then Surrey sort of looked at it, and then they got a they paid half his fees. So Wellington picked up um, picked up fifty percent, and uh, Surrey picked up the other fifty percent. And he went to to Wellington School. So I had nothing to do with this that. This is Tom, the eldest. This one. is Tom, the eldest. Um, and I had been pushing Kevin for ages, and anyway, uh, 
Tom went to. So then I went to him and I said, the, boy, the young boys have got to come. And uh, he said, no, they're staying with me. And that's it. And then... Was this on the farm in Zimbabwe? Yeah, yeah. And, and, and Kevin was great. You know, he, he, I've seen pictures and videos that Sarah showed me. He, he, trained, he, he trained, he played cricket with his boys nearly every day. So he brought them up to where they are, really. They, they got all the basics from him. And then, unfortunately, he died. And... Um, Sarah Terrible there. accident. Yeah, he was out running, very fit man, out running and uh, just collapsed. Um, and uh, then Sarah called me and asked me to please help because, you know, and so I had to go down and tell Tom that his father had died at, at oh. Wellington, which was, which was quite hard, really. And uh, we then got him on a plane, um, sent him back to, to Zim uh, for the funeral and everything. And... Um, and then Sarah said, you know, she's got to get the boys out there. So I went back to Wellington, had a meeting with them and said, you know, this, the two brothers are fantastic kids. They'll be, you know, they'll do Wellington really proud. And, um, you know, can you do something for it? The mother, you know, can't afford to send them. She works for British Airways. And um, is, is one a corollary of the other? You're suggesting that if you work for British Airways, you can't afford. To <laughs> you can't afford to send okay. your kids to Wellington. Okay. <laughs> I think you've just just lost your upgrades there. <laughs> oh, hold on. What's my? <laughs> I better go back to that gold card. <laughs> um, and uh, and then sort of, I went back Wellington and um, we got bursaries from them. And uh, and so the same thing happened. The Surrey connection lingered. Well, no, it, it, it didn't, because I, I brought them straight in without any connection with Surrey. Um, and then I said that the boys have, have got to play for the school. I don't want them playing, you know, for Surrey under-18s or, or under-16s and that. I said they must concentrate playing at school and playing for Wellington, and uh, which was right, because I, I didn't think that they should be going off anywhere. Wellington were paying for the full bursary. So they had to put back everything they had into, into Wellington College, uh, which they did. And then eventually Wellington came along and, you know, said, can we, um, you know, get them to play in an under-16s game? So it just sort of went along that way. But they're always available to play for Wellington right up to, to leaving uh, for their first team. And Surrey took on Tom and Sam and then was taken on by the MCC Young Professionals has now got a contract at Northamptonshire. Yeah, I mean, Ben's talented, very talented. And, uh, um, you know, I got him into the, the, the MCC, uh, which is great. And then, you know, um, we, they gave him a trial. They took him for a year at Northampton and did really well. Won the last game for them and then got a, a two-year contract um, and just didn't quite fulfill it um, uh, last year. But I think, um, you know, he didn't really get a good run. Um, but I, I'm hoping that they will persevere with the young players because they got some young players at, at Northampton, and and he can succeed. You know, he's got all the talent. He's he's down now with Gary Kirsten down in Cape Town, going through his. Um, he, Gary helps him quite a lot. Um, but it's going to be interesting, Surrey versus Northampton, because. They could have three brothers on the field in first-class cricket. Correct. Uh, that, that's going to be tasty. That's wonderful for Sarah Curran as well. Um, I've got lots to talk to you about, but I just want to finish on... You, you've long held a view that Sam will finish a better batsman than bowler. Yeah. Um, you know, I, I think the way he's playing at the moment, uh, he's playing attacking where he has to come in number eight, really. So, 
Um, I think he's got the potential. Um, you know, I think he's got to just work out, work on that short ball, which I believe Thorpe has been working hard with him on that. Um, but I think he's he's got the talent to to bat it's in. About how high? I think in the top six. Fantastic stuff from Mark and Alan. And you'll be able to hear another phenomenal interview on Sunday between Mark Nicholas and the legendary West Indian fast bowler, Michael Holding. That's it for now, though. But please don't forget to review us on Apple Podcasts, Acast and Spotify. But for now, thanks for listening. The following on podcast is proudly sponsored by Barbados Tourism. And this is your gentle reminder that Barbados is the best place to be a cricket fan. With eight matches from the ICC Men's T20 Cricket World Cup Series taking place in Barbados this summer, including the final, you can experience the summer of a lifetime by booking today. Aside from immersing in world-class cricket in the sunshine, Barbados is the dream destination for all travel enthusiasts. It is where adventure meets paradise, the culinary capital of the Caribbean, and better still, the birthplace of rum. If you are keen to unite with cricket fans across the globe for what is set to be an unforgettable summer, then head to visitbarbados.org forward slash cricket today. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. 